because I don't think we're free when we need to achieve. Because one day I do well, I'm, I'm a success, the other day I'm not, and I'm a failure. I think freedom comes from that internal understanding of deeply loved, come what may. This is Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Kia ora. welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations, with me, your host, Andy Dixon. As you may be able to hear, I'm not recording from my desk in my bedroom today. I've just finished my call at all with today's guest, Donald Scott, about being, stillness, birds and nature, silence, and hearing the sound that lies underneath the loudness and the busyness of life. So I thought rather than go home and carry on with life, I would come here to Pū Taringamotu, Rickerton Bush, the only piece of native forest left in Ototahi Christchurch, and experience some bird life and nature and stillness for myself. To be honest, it's pretty breathtaking. I spend a lot of time talking to people who are doing amazing things in the world. But today we get to hear about being, about noticing, listening, and knowing our worth outside of what we do. Donald has been on a journey of learning to be for many years now, and he takes us on that journey with him today. It's deeply beautiful and deeply challenging. This is episode 56 of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Donald Scott. Kia ora Donald Scott, welcome to the podcast. Kia ora Andy, great to be here. Uh, Nor here queer, tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, wow, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> You know I've been on a bit of a te reo tau Māori journey, but asking the question of that, where do I come from, who am I? Um, so firstly, tuatahi kurore ki tātou i rongo rawa, mengarongo ki te whenua whakaro pai ki nga tangata katoa. That great whakatauki, or proverb from Luke chapter 2, the announcement of the Messiah, glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill to all peoples, I think encapsulates the passion of my heart. Firstly, I'm a follower of Jesus, glory to God, peace on earth, peace is a passion of my heart, unity, kotahitanga, and goodwill to all people. So that's me spiritually, and I was um, located geographically, in a, a mihi, where do you come from geographically, from um, Tamaki Nui Aurua, in Southern Hawke's Bay, so Ngāti Kahununu territory, the, the mountain being the Ruahinis, the Awa, the river, the Manawatu, that was where I was born, and that's where I came to faith as well, 23-year-old. Married a young lady there that I went to high school with, Janice, had four boys there, and shifted down here to Ototahi uh, Christchurch, well, uh, 2000, and this has become home. Now we're in um, Naitahu Whenua, and actually love being down here. I actually feel at home here. So Danny, it's my home. I go home, but then I come home back to Christchurch. So my people are the Celts, so I've had to work out who am I as a European New Zealander. Um, my iwi has always been a big question, but I've settled on my people came from Ireland and Scotland. 
So when Ireland beats the All Blacks, you know, I can just never lose there because it feels like they're my people. <laughs> so no Celtic tokoiwi, Celts are my people. My ancestors came out on a boat, the Tintern Abbey. Sounds a little bit more like a biscuit, but it was a boat that my ancestors came from. Yeah, not, so. not the Tim Tam, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so it's a little bit of uh, yeah. where I've come from. So I, I spend a lot of time on this podcast talking to people that are doing a lot of good stuff yep. in the world, bringing beauty and goodness into the world through what they're doing. Right. Um, and there's plenty I could talk to you about in that regard, but mm. um, the reason I particularly wanted this quarter is because I've observed you being someone who's who's learned and is learning, I guess, right. to notice the beauty and the goodness mm. in the, the world as it already is and to see where there's already a bit of heaven on earth right. you know, yes. in, in the present. Um, mm. One way that you're very passionate about <laughs> is through your, your, I don't know, is it a hobby, is it a whatever, of bird watching? Um, <laughs> it's a vocational calling, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I actually, I googled it to go, is there, is there like a proper name for bird watching? And it sounds like there's a lot of arguments around right. like bird watchers and birding and yeah. twitches and... Twitches, yeah. yeah birding, How would you define it? I, I think w when I was younger, I wanted to be, uh, I am and have been passionate about ornithology, the study of birds, zoology. So when I was a young fellow, I was brought up in the remote hills of Southern Hawke's Bay. I loved creation. I loved birds and animals and African animals. I remember buying all these magazines about East African game parks. I actually went there when I was 19. I think I was kind of lost. I was really lost actually. I was a good young Kiwi bloke and played rugby, drank far too much booze, that sort of stuff. But I was pretty lost and went over there lonely. But I, I hitched round East Africa in the 1980s and just feasted on the glory of creation in East Africa and and birds were a big part of that. I had an experience there that I went snorkeling on the Af uh, Kenyan coast, Malindi. I was with a couple of English guys who we went snorkeling. That was actually the first time, because uh, we, we didn't have coral reefs in the Southern Hawke's Bay, so we're snorkeling there in East Africa, uh, Indian Ocean, and I remember just diving down and just being overwhelmed by glory and wonder. I had no grid to understand that as not being having any faith grid, but I came up and saw one of the English guys came and we just took our, our snorkels out and said, wow, and then dove down again. And I just, I'll never forget that, being overwhelmed with wonder. But now I've got a grid to understand that. I, I, I encountered God there. So that's, that was a long answer to yeah. come back to birds and creation. Because I came to faith when I was 23. And Jesus was outside my worldview as a farmer, sharer, rugby player. I heard the message of Jesus. I heard at a deeper level the message of Jesus. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's all I want. I had no understanding of that except a heart response to say there's something I, that's all I want and I've spent the next several decades trying to understand what the hang that means but that journey I, I think I lost my creational joy there because my faith grid my church background I didn't feel affirmed creation because it was about spiritual things yeah right it was about doing and I, I actually let something go there so I didn't become an ornithologist or zoologist I became a hard-working farmer church worker yeah. which, which was great but in more recent years I've returned to something affirmed partly my tell uh, uh, Maori journey but partly my theological journey to say 
that the world is this infused with the glory of God. And so return to something and see birds, creation as that doorway into um, the beauty of who God is, something transcendent. Mm. Yeah. What do you enjoy most about your time out looking for the birds? I've had to recognise that I, I just feel a great sense of peace. I feel, I, I, I feel at peace, there's probably no better way to describe that. But I also like the, the diversity of birds, the, the beauty, the interconnectedness of, of all things. The kuaka, the, uh, the godwit that flies, migrates from here to the Arctic in a non-stop flight of 15,000 miles of this itty, small little bird. That's that, incredible. It's phenomenal, Andy, and I think how it knows how to get there anyway and, and come back. On their way back, they stop over in China for a meal. You know, like we fly to Australia and think, oh, I'm a bit tired, it's a long trip to Australia on a big plane, but these little birds fly to the Arctic non-stop. And I think that's just, that points me to the magnificence of the Creator. Mm. So what does it actually look like for you? Like, do you go on holidays and, like, specifically to go and sit in the bush and look? Or do you just, is it just that you go out in nature and then you happen to take an interest in what's there? Like, what, what's yeah. that look like for you? I think, and maybe it's a bit of a spiritual metaphor for me in my journey, when I notice thing in, something in one place, like growing an awareness of a bird or a lake or an an estuary, then I start to become aware in all places and see the beauty of not just birds but of creation in all places. So the one one of the great places I like going to is the Ashley River mouth. It's a beautiful tidal river and the diversity of birds there is quite extraordinary. I mean that's quarter of an hour from where we live, quarter of an hour, 20 minutes from this great city of Ototahi and it's on, it's on our doorstep and there's the, the diversity there is quite extraordinary. So that's one of the places I go. I love, love going into the forest um, and searching out different birds. But it's actually growing an awareness of creation in all places. Yeah, mm. yeah cool. Mm. Do you have a favourite bird that you like to look for? The kārerea, the falcon, has actually become, my, not favourites, not fair, mm. But actually a bit of a symbol for me. So I have this strange habit of talking to our family of, about birds. Oh, here goes Dad again. <laughs> but I prophesy over them because yeah. I say, Caleb, you're like the kereru because you're big. You've got this ability to take the big seeds and shift them and you know fertilize the forest. And each one of my family, because I, I, I see birds have a personality. And we have a personality. So I said, oh, I think you're like this bird here. Not to label them, but to say as a doorway. So St. Francis of Assisi, one of my great heroes, because he loved birds. A little bit romantic with, you know, birds on his shoulders and that. But there was a deep truth to who he was. He, he would say that the natural was a doorway to the supernatural. The physical, a doorway to the, um, to the spiritual. I think I, I love that. Yeah, I, I really like even just your little mention of the kereru and, and they can pick up the big seeds and yes. like there's this beauty about what each bird 
is and and what it does yes. in connection with everything else, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. The interconnectedness of each bird, each animal, each plant. Do you mm. have um, particular bird songs that you really like to hear? Yes. Can I tell you a story? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowed to do that. Aren't? I know, the grey warbler, the riro riro. I, we used to live on Harewood Road and the song thrush, a beautiful introduced bird, has this glorious song and I noticed we had quite a big section and there was one summer I noticed this, this one particular song thrush which would sing in the top of the trees, literally, honestly, for hours on end. And I felt like that scripture in Zechariah, I the Lord sing over you. So I hear the song thrush and I felt God's presence and awareness of that. So John, our eldest boy, it was around Christmas time, he comes home and Dave, his brother, has got this powerful slug gun and he went out shooting. I knew he was going out. He said, I'm just going out to have a few shots. And he goes out. He comes back and all excited. He said, Dad, I got a bird. <laughs> and instantly I thought, oh no, Johnny, you shot my bird. And he did. Oh, he no. said, I got this right on the top of the tree. And it's, for me, it felt like he'd shot God, you know, because God was singing <laughs> over or something. Oh, Johnny. And he saw my face just drop and he said, oh, Dad, what, you, you okay? And I said, no, you shot my bird, Johnny. <laughs> But anyway, oh, no. the continuation of that story was I noticed, because it, it was a loud dominating mm. song, beautiful, but I noticed, I really noticed the grey warbler, the riro riro, it, which is a quieter song, like a warble, this grey warbler. And I noticed it everywhere, go out on the golf course, and it was like, guys, could you shut up? It's so loud out here, a quieter sound. But I tuned into that, and through that I felt, for me, the rero rero was the sound of our nation. Nothing against, I'm an introduced species, yeah. I guess, to New Zealand, and welcome here. We welcome the song thrush. But I heard the sound of the land in a deeper way, and it became a powerful metaphor for me that sound of the land can be quieter, gentler. But when you tune into it, it's absolutely everywhere. It's like tuning into a deeper awareness of God and how He. Um, expresses himself, which we can miss, but when we tune into that sound and, and get past the noise, perhaps of daily life, the noise perhaps yeah. of, of our jobs and the busy not, busyness of life, is tuning in and hearing. So I heard the rero rero to a deeper level. So Jono helped me to that place <laughs> by shooting my song thrush. Oh no. <laughs> that, that is quite a powerful concept though isn't it in a world where we are so busy and rushed and where yeah. there's so much noise yes just being able to tune into that which is under the surface of that yes um, and you know for me that's been um, like through getting more healthy mentally yes. has then been a journey of understanding what my feelings feel like yes and and you know tuning into what that is because previously it was well that feels awful yeah. So I'm gonna run away from that. And, yes. And I remember actually, like a counsellor said to me one time, "Oh, that, you know, how how does that feel when that happens?" I was like, "Awful." They're like, "Awful's not actually a feeling. <laughs> it's like a description word. Yes. Of a group of feelings. Like, can we yes. burrow down?" And I couldn't. Like, I I yeah. just had no way of yes. doing it. And it's mm. not until I've learnt to just sit a little bit deeper and listen to a little bit deeper. Yeah. And, and yeah, like I was thinking yeah. that as you were talking about that warbler mm. that. Mm. It's there, mm. and it's beautiful. You know, actually, my feelings are beautiful. There's yes. there's something good about them, yeah. 
even the bad ones, or the mm. ones that I've considered bad, mm. you know, they're, they're actually there for a reason, mm. to warn me about things, you mm. know, to identify things, if I'm tuned into them, otherwise yeah. I just run yeah. and whatever, so... Uh, that that that's good, Andy. And I, for me, that's become a bit of a metaphor or my journey. Here's a couple of guys sitting here talking about our feelings, which is not a common thing. But I think I would have said I was an emotional in contact with my feelings. But in my more recent years, are you aware of the Enneagram? <clears throat> that not so much personality, but perhaps a, a, a way of understanding our soul, of our deeper heart and I'm through that I've discovered I'm Enneagram 2 which doesn't sound that sexy I'm a helper which I think oh okay that's great but but what unpacked me in that was the help of the Enneagram 2 is far more aware of emotions out there is served what, what do you need me to do I'll do that for you but actually doesn't know what's going on in their own heart so I think, looking back, I've been more aware of what's going on for other people than myself, just what you've expressed there, and I think. So my emotional awareness has been sharper for out there than in my own heart. So my same journey as yours, in a, in a sense, in a different way, but accessing what am I feeling here? You know, what I've found of that journey is I've, I've accessed God because the Bible talks, the word, heart is used in scripture 800 times never once about the physical organ but it's a metaphor for our inner world and Christ dwells in our heart and I think oh I think probably Christ used to dwell in my doing out there yeah, <laughs> and it's right. great we're called to serve of course we are but that journey to the heart I think is the journey of Christianity of discovering the Christ within and then we discover we, we discover him he's obviously transcendent but he dwells within, and this transcendent God dwells within. And how do we access that? How do we grow in awareness? So my growing in awareness of creational magnificence and beauty has helped me access an inner world that I'm actually really excited by this journey of Christ in us, the hope of glory. How do I grow in awareness of that? So that's become a, a, a passion and a desire to understand that more, not just understand, but to actually experience that and not just live externally. Yeah, mm. awesome. You mentioned earlier about that Te Ao Māori has been part of your, mm. your journey, or um, Te Ao Māori meaning the world of Māori. Yes. How has that journey of um, learning Te Reo Māori, the, the language mm. of Māori, um, learning about the ways of Māori, hmm. how has that influenced you in terms of your view on creation? There's a while, a few years ago, I thought, I'm not sure who I am, what's the greatest thread, because I've been drawn to te ao Māori, this indigenous understanding, um, a contemplative spirituality, which is the slowing down, noticing more so, as well as my faith expression as part of a charismatic Pentecostal church, kind of who am I, what's my greatest grid here? But actually, I've seen they all come together. And Te Ao Māori has been, I just, deeply profound in that interconnectedness of all things, the holistic nature of, I like the, the sense of an indigenous worldview, because there's a holistic nature to that, the interconnectedness of all things, an easy interaction of spirituality and physicality, not the separation, which I think with respect our Western worldview is far more dualistic. 
spirituality and the Christians and spirituality is higher than physicality and actually God's probably going to screw this planet up and start again because this is a disaster and because it's about getting off this planet into a new one and I think I'm not sure I think the renewal of uh, the creation in terms of the new heavens and new earth is deeply profound however we see that and the old Maoris helped me see that that beautiful interconnection of physicality and spirituality which is the basis of scripture and a scriptural understanding the incarnation was God came to earth the eternal divine clothed in frail humanity walked the dusty streets and paths of a specific geographical place mm. so that's been just so helpful yeah it's funny as you were talking like it, it again just reminded me of that metaphor of the warbler that you were talking about where yes you know, it feels to me a bit like our our Western culture is the big noisy thing. Yes. But actually in this land, there is another sound yes. underneath. Yes. That has been squashed, mm. you know, that has mm. been ignored um, or intentionally covered up. Yes. Uh, yes. In, in a lot of cases as well. But um, thankfully is now mm. again starting to be heard more. Yeah. And... And I think as long as we're not going in with our colonising attitude of what can mm. we take, yes. there is so much that we can be taught from mm. from the way that the people of this land, mm. the way that they think, the way that they have that spirituality mm. that's not separate from mm. physicality, mm. you know, and the way that, you know, so much of my early church life was about okay, well, I've got over the line so that when I die, I'm going to that spiritual place. Yes. What now? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yes. whereas that, you know, again, in Te Ao Māori, that's not a, that's not a thing. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. well, what now is that you, you get on with loving people and, yes. you know, you listen yeah. to, to the wisdom of, of your elders and, yes. and of your tipu, you know, your ancestors and, mm. Mm. um, you make decisions with other people for mm. the sake of mm. of the bigger story, and mm. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, I personally, you know, probably haven't been in the journey as long as you have, but it's been mm. just such a revelation. Mm. Um, and and yet, as a couple of Pakeha guys sitting here talking <laughs> about it, going, you know, let's still be careful how we walk in that space. Cert um, certainly, and I would have to say though, it's a profound journey. Just echo. Uh, affirm what you're saying there, Andy. I feel enriched through this journey. I think you would say the same thing, wouldn't you? Yeah. Not trying to be Māori, but the more of the language, the real that I've learnt has actually helped me understand Scripture in, in a deeper way and find my place as a European, as a Pākehā, in partnership. I think I'm really proud of our journey as a nation. I know it's really, really challenging. And where does this all fit? But in partnership, now with the beautiful multicultural expression that we have, I think there's a profound journey that we're on as a nation that is complex and challenging. I think we're leading the nations, though, in seeking to understand where these cultures come together in partnership. And I think it's deeply helpful for us as a, as a Western church. It's not either or but to the strengths of our Western world and the strength of an indigenous world. And we can hold those in tension. I think we're the richer for it as a nation as, and as a church in this nation. Mm. 
you mentioned there about you know not not becoming Māori. Mm. I, I know for me and, and for a bunch of others who have started learning about things Māori, that's kind of a, a draw is, oh, wow, there's this amazing thing here. I, I want to be part of that. Yes. You know, was that an experience for you as well? And, and then, like, how did you then find a place where you actually know that I'm, I'm not Māori, yes. but this is who I am within that space? Yeah, good, good question. That, that's a deep question because I was deeply drawn and think, oh, I, this is a worldview that, in, if I was honest, I feel is richer than the world that I've, I've come from. But learning to find my place in that and say, okay, I'm, I'm not Māori and I, I better not try and become that because that's appropriating somebody else's. That's like the new colonisation yeah. now as well. Wow, I've found these riches, I'm going to share them and in church and get excited in that. But our heart has been, I, I think the intent of our heart is being to learn and to listen. So when, when we posture ourselves as listeners, listen to the story, we hear the beauty of the story, that I think the redemptive potential of Aotearoa New Zealand, but also the pain. It doesn't take long to bump into the pain, to acknowledge that, and it's not my fault of what's happened, but we're all a part of the story, and somehow find our place, finding our place within that, Andy, I think is crucial. So that's why I love it in my mihi. Actually, now I've discovered my people are the Celts, but I've been welcomed to this land, and I think that's the beauty of uh, Te this great treaty that again can be misunderstood, but when you stop looking at it as some legal framework, it can fit in a constitution, but it's a relational document that says, my people were welcomed here, now let's live in harmony and learn from one another. Then there's that kind of synergy of that kind of ecotone of where two cultures, or now many cultures meet, and there's a richness in that meeting place. And if we can get past the misunderstanding and listen to one another, the richer we are for that. Mm. I remember, oh, I must have been back in about episode nine, I was talking to um, to Karate for Te Scarborough. Oh, yes. And, and, you know, we were having this kind of korero about um, things Māori and things Pākehā, and, and uh, he said to me, to me, you know, as a Pākehā, what are you proud of about your culture? I was right. Like, oh, uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the all blacks. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And he's like, bro, that's not good enough. <laughs> like, he just called me out on it. And, yeah. and it wasn't, you know. I, yes. I hadn't spent any time going, what am I part of that is good? Yes. Rather than just going, this bad, that good. Yeah. You know, I'm going to defect over to that camp. Yes. You know, and, and he was yes. like, bro, there's... There's so much good. A lot of the modern medicine, you Absolutely. know, a lot of yes. you know education stuff. There's there's yes. all the stuff that's good yes. about what what your people have brought with mm. you. Mm. you. You've got to own that and be proud of that. But yes. there's a lot of good about what my people have as well, and it's about Beautiful. working together. You know, and yes. oh yeah, I've never forgotten that. Like he just yeah. schooled me um, in the middle of my own podcast. That's great but publicly. <laughs> that's great, Andy. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> You talk about being having found a place in contemplative spirituality. Yes. Uh, and one of the things that, that you've uh, embraced as part of that is mm. going away for days at a time in silence. Right. Um, <laughs> you're, you're someone who likes a good court at all. You're mm. a social person. Yes. What on earth drove you to want to spend days in silence? <laughs> good question. 
my dear wife Janice thinks it's a huge joke me going on a silent retreat and <laughs> I've just I've just been on a seven day retreat silent retreat and I like to do that kind of annually and what started me on that so another another creation story because winding back often we look at what we do but why did I do that what was my experience I took our two oldest boys John and Dave to Sabah East Malaysia for a sabbatical I don't know why it was father-son trip but it was in Sabah it would have been 14 15 years ago and we were snorkeling again that's why I started with a snorkeling story because this second snorkeling snorkeling story was now as a follower of Christ and we were snorkeling off the coast of Sabah there and trying to it was a gorgeous again trying to catch the fish which is just dumb you know this big white blob trying to chase these fish which is their natural environment so it's trying but I honestly it might sound strange but I I heard I felt I heard this voice I became aware of a voice that said be still and I'll bring the fish to you and I thought mm, okay so I I just lay in the water snorkel on and and I just lay their arms and legs outstretched on a story within milliseconds the fish thousands of fish were all around me and nibbling I thought I hope none of you fellas have got big teeth or something <laughs> yeah. and I don't know trying to get the little oxygen sacks yeah. off or scat I don't know but it was overwhelming again that these fish were all around me I felt very vulnerable and after probably a few minutes or whatever I, I broke off and and said boys do this and and I honestly felt God spoke to me you know that might sound strange but that just that inner voice that was over and the boys did it and they they saw the same thing so what I took out of that it's been maybe my most I think I could say maybe my most defining encounter that says Donald slow down be still and then I use that scripture, Psalm 46, be still and know that, am I, that I am God. And I came back speaking that. I, I still feel I'm, I'm still scratching the surface of what that word is about because it's been deeply profound. Is actually from a posture of stillness. It's not this dualistic either or thing of is it be still or be active. It's, it's both and. But to come from this place of an inner peace, an inner stillness that was actually got the job done. It got the job done in Sabah snorkeling because what I wanted to do was make contact with the fish. But I entered their world, but when I was still, they came into my world. Yeah. And I thought, they welcomed me? Stillness welcomed me into another realm, which I found quite profound because it wasn't based on my effort. And I think my... I was going to say my faith journey, yes, but my journey of life has been so based on what I do, effort, activity, success, competition. It's the world I've brought up in, young fella, Kiwi bloke, cricket, rugby, school, um, sharing. Then the church world seems to be about success and achievement because I'm a somebody now because I got on the rugby team or I shore more sheep than you, so I'm a success, aren't I? I'm okay. I think, wow, the sense of stillness that in the deeper sense said, Donald, you're okay. Not because if you do something, you're okay because you're made in my image. And from that, um, finding a deeper source of identity, not based on what I did or my position or what I have, but based on this intrinsic value of being deeply loved by my Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. 
So my snorkeling story has, has been just so profound. I just keep thinking, keep reflecting back on that. See, just be still. This non-anxious presence, which is a language of contemplative world, I think. It's elusive because life is busy. We, had, we raised four boys. We were leading a church at the same time and in a time doing all that and sharing and farming. So life has been busy. I think life has been too busy. If I reflect back now in my more mature years, Andy, I look back and I think we gave ourselves to everything we have done and good on us, you know, yeah. good intent. But I think overly responsible, if I was honest, and I wish I had learnt to come to that deeper source of you're okay just as you are. Mm. So that causes me to bump into, as you told your story um, beautifully before, of actually I had to push into some deeper emotions or be aware of my emotions. I think as we go deeper into God, into true self, and I like that term of into stillness and identities from being, I also bump into my brokenness. We bump into our brokenness. And my brokenness has not been so much drugs and, you know, that out there, which is, you know, dabble. But, you know, my deeper issues, I think, have been around drawing identity from what I do, needing to achieve. And as I look beneath that, I think, I actually haven't felt okay with myself. So am I okay? Well, I'm okay because I sure, you know, a truckload of sheep one day or you know, I'm in this position or whatever I'm okay because I do stuff and I think that's that's been my brokenness speaking and I think I'm okay because I'm a child of God and so that need for affirmation or need for somebody to say you're okay Donald I've had to recognize that and get beneath my um, activity to find that place the greatest teacher I think in life is what we would would call perceive as failure. Think, oh, I didn't do okay in that, and I'm still okay? Wow, now I think we're starting to hit on true sense of acceptance and belonging, and from that we grow. I think all of that's quite profound in the context of this podcast because, mm. you know, I talk to so many people that are doing some amazing stuff, Yes, and quite a number of them have, have talked about getting to this place where actually they needed to be okay with themselves whether uh, whether this thing worked or not. Yes. You know, or yes. Um, I remember Alana from 27 Seconds Wine who, you know, they they give all their profits to support those coming out of Amazing. slave trade and stuff. Yes. And, yes. Um, and she was saying, you know, I, we had this idea, but actually I had to be okay with who I was. Yes. Because this may or may not work. Mm. Um, and it has, I mean, it's been a great success and they've been able mm, to fantastic, give, isn't it? give yes. so much money yeah. to support these, particularly women and, and mm. children coming out of slavery. Um, but yeah, that for her, there was a deep sense of yes. actually, this can't be who I am. Yeah. Otherwise, yes. I'm in trouble. That's right. And our identity rides in my success or lack thereof. And I think... I feel growing into a greater sense of freedom. We achieve total freedom when we're face to face with the Lord, but a growing sense of freedom because I don't think we're free when we need to achieve because one day I do well, I'm, I'm a success, the other day I'm not and I'm a failure. I think freedom comes from that internal understanding. I'm deeply loved, come, come what may. So circling back to... 
I got a soft tangent. We're not really trying to answer that question. So that is outworked for me into uh, moments and silent retreats because that's the place, ironically, I feel as an extrovert that does like to use lots of words and I, my thought process is very external. Actually, I felt the Lord slowed me down, snorkeling, but being still and not speaking and removing any sense of ego, of you know trying to find your place in a crowd or whatever, though the externals, when that's totally removed, you may be in a crowd, but when that's taken away and the verbal thing has been an expression of that for me, when I'm just in a silent retreat, I actually hear something deeper, Andy. I, I, I hear my brokenness, but even deeper than that, I hear the glory that God's put within us. And so often the church says, well, we need just to recognize that we're, we're sinners and say, yeah, I bumped into that. But, you know, when I listen, I hear something deeper because I think there's a, this is my Celtic tipuna say this. The deepest mark in our lives is not sin, but the image of God. Yeah. And when we, we, we need to acknowledge our brokenness and how that brokenness impacts us, influences us. But there's a deeper sound that's the image of God that's in each one of us and understanding how that is expressed through my life. And I, I just love now, ironically, I love silence. Mm. Most of my prayer is, is me being still before the Lord and listening. I think the Lord's happier with that and not just kind of saying, this is what you should be doing, Lord, but listening and responding to that though, mm. hearing something deeper. So silent retreats have done that for me is, slowed me down and I become aware of an inner conversation so Galatians and Romans both talk about within us there's a cry the spirit cries within us Abba Father and I think when I'm quieter when I dial down I actually hear that conversation within me because there's actually a prayer that's within me which is this Trinitarian God who's within me by spirit crying out to the Father have a father that's within me and I think prayer is just joining God's conversation within us and then at times we put words to that so creation has helped me enter a conversation because I hear God speaking in the midst of creation which helps me access when I see something out there it helps me access something in here so I went on a little silent personal silent retreat um, before my last seven-day silent retreat, just went up, took the camper van up to Kaikoura, and, and I just parked up there by the uh, the old pub at the old wharf there, and you can there's a camper van place there, and I watched the sun rise and I watched the sun set for a couple of days, and the creational magnificence of the mountains and the sea and the bird life and that, and I, I was just in my happy place, and just it was reading stuff about soulscape i.e. when you see the landscape, when I see the mountains out there, what's that saying to me about who God is? But what's it also saying to me about who I am? And I see the mountains there, the Kaikoura Mountains, just beautiful, snow-capped, and the, the strength of those, the beauty of those, the vision and um, piercing the heavens of the mountains, and then the the sea and the flow of water, whether it's river or sea, or the, the washing, the cleansing, all speaking to me of something of who God is, but that going on out there 
represents something going on within me. And I love that connection again between external world and internal world. And then thinking, God, what's your invitation here? What are you inviting me uh, into being and responding to that sense of being? Um, I did a three-day silent retreat a couple of years ago. And, well done. And um, in some ways I kind of thought, oh man, this is going to be like really hard three days and and I couldn't imagine doing any longer than that. But actually kind of by the time I got to th day three, I was like, oh, I'm just sort of starting to learn how to do this. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like I'd need a few more days to actually. Yes. Um, do you find it something that you've got better at? Like is it is it a skill? I I think it's... A learned habit. I think it is a skill because it's interesting. Three days. I think it probably takes two to three days to actually just slow down. I don't need you phone. I've got all these things going on. I just need to lay. It just takes. We live in this busy, busy world, Andy, eh? and you can't get out of that. You're a parent. You know, you're a responsible person. So it's not. It's not coming totally out of that world. I'm convinced that we need to have spaces, I think every day, that we do something like that every day because we just forget. Every day I love creating sacred space. So I sit on my red chair here where I am now and look out at my bird ponds out there, just sitting and being every day. And I've that's not a religious habit for me. Well, it has become a habit. I love the word a rhythm. It's become a life-giving rhythm for me that I don't think I could live without now. I so enjoy getting up. I get up early in the morning and just to actually, I feel I'm with the Lord mm -hmm. and then respond to that and the word and just washes over me. And so again, in, in a spot every day and doing that, on regular rhythms, whether it's annually or something, that you've got a greater space to say, I am more than what I do. Yeah. I'm reminded of that. And yes, to dial into that, I think, I think is actually a discipline. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you've, having experienced them, you've also led some silent yes. retreats for others. Mm. What's that experience been like for you, sort of in comparison with that? And, mm. um, you know, how is that experience the same or different mm. leading others on one than doing it for yourself? I'm smiling as you say that because it's been quite challenging. The whole silence thing for me has been challenging and leading people in silence retreat is slightly counterintuitive for me. <laughs> and so I've trained as a spiritual direction, which has just been fantastic, a way of helping just coming alongside people to help them be aware of what God's already doing in their lives and helping them notice. So that's a great privilege. So, But as an extrovert, when there's space, my initial training in this would be I'd fill space because space is the enemy. You know, silence is the enemy because you don't know what you're doing or so. And, and um, so I would fill space and silence with words until someone gently reminded me that that's probably not that helpful in what we're trying to do here and silence <laughs> yeah. and space is just a beautiful opportunity to go deeper so I've had to learn to be comfortable with silence which is probably easier on your own but then maybe when you're with others and leading others this pressure to maybe be somebody or 
be the expert. Like I've been a pastor for 30 years and, and you come to me for help and I will give you the answers from the word or from my great experience. That's what a good pastor does, isn't it? That's what a good leader does is because we are the experts. And I think, I think I've had to come to realise in my great understanding that I feel I know less now. <laughs> I yeah. feel I'm less certain and I'm actually really happy. I feel we're called to know on a deeper level than just an informational cognitive basis and that learning is important but there's a deeper knowing so Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.18 I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open the eyes of your innermost being would be opened so there's a deeper way of knowing that you might know the hope of, he, of his calling he says and I think there's a deeper way not either or head it's not head versus heart but I think in a biblical Judeo-Christian worldview, it's head positioned in the heart, not separated, but the heart is, if I could use the word portal, a doorway into a deeper way of knowing, which is accessing our heart. Silence helps us do that, and I've had to learn that silence actually is this doorway to being present, and I think when we're present to the moment, and to someone, we're present to presence with a big P. So it's slowing down, being present, and I realise in my busyness, action, defined world, I was either in the past in regret or excitement, or in the future with opportunities, but not always present. I mean, I can be at the meal table with my beautiful family, my face is present but my mind and heart is just somewhere else in the past or the future but learning to be present to be with somebody to be with God I think is the great invitation and opportunity and when we're present to presence we hear at a deeper level so that's been a real challenge for me but I think a great opportunity so I do love trying to bring people into silence but there's stuff that goes on for me within that I just have to recognize that yeah as we kind of get near the end of our corridor you've sort of in reflecting on what we were mm. going to talk about you've written some things um, yes you've you've done a me and dabbled into some poetry some creative <laughs> writing um, yes yeah do you want to just share with us what what it is that you've written well I'm a bit nervous of this because I'm talking to the poet extraordinaire the spoken word and you're highly gifted at that end. You've inspired me. You've inspired me to write a poem. <laughs> I think actually some of these things have come from my silence and silent retreat where I've learned the only way that I can express things is through poetry, not through informational language. So this is my attempt at being... No, this is my attempt at expressing what's going on within me. So this one came out of... Janice and I did the Otago Rail Trail. And I just came across this, I actually read this term, it was actually somebody, I can't remember whose expression for the kingdom of God, a dimension of spaciousness. And I thought, I, I just, I really enjoyed that. But I experienced that in the landscape of central Otago. So here we go, this is called Dimensions of Spaciousness. Otago Rail Trail, Ancient Pathway 
once mighty steam train to power of the pedal, now electric, does avoid the strain. Tourists in a stark land, pilgrims searching in the vast dimensions of spaciousness, stunned by the visible, yet drawn by the invisible, stillness, solitude, sacred calling ever deeper, mountains reaching for the heavens, craggy rocks tumbling wildly, covering wide valleys like rabbits, nibbling ecosystem fragile, imposters from a dimension not of this whenua. Eririana te kārerea, the falcon flies, watching, swooping, free, the sacred bearing wings piercing the veil. Thick darkness of night, stars shining, celestial bright, breathing heaven, illuminating earth. Summer sting of sun, winter bite of frost, creation's handiwork is visible manifestation of invisible glory. Heaven seen through the doorway of earth, eternity birthed in the here and now. Boundless glory manifest in that which is bounded. Rail trail pilgrims through enchanted lands for the, those with eyes to see. That which is beheld mysteriously awakens that which is within. Pilgrims learning to be present to presence. For could it be dimensions of spaciousness discovered deep within me? Mm. The end. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Mm. That's, yeah, really beautiful. Mm. Thanks, Andy. Thank you for mm. uh, summarising that, I guess, this whole corridor. Um, in, in a way it does, doesn't it? Of that longing to pierce the veil that we see expressed in the here and now. Well, thank you for giving time to Kōrero with us today and uh, for reminding us about being able to find our value in mm. who we are, not what we do. Mm. Um, yeah, I found it a, a great reminder and yet also a great challenge to mm. know our value, to know our worth, mm. aside from that which we do. Mm. Um, no matter how much good we're doing in the world and yeah. you know how much beauty we're bringing into the world, that isn't what defines us. And yeah. Thank you for reminding of, us of that. And um, yeah, but for sharing your journey of becoming more aware and more mm. present. Um, thank you for what you're doing and being to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Thank you. Hello. What a great encouragement that we are enough, that we are capable of great good, but we are valuable no matter what. Your example is one who is learning to be and learning to listen is beautiful. Challenging, but so necessary. Thank you for sharing that journey with us. Here is a blessing for you. Donald. May birds continue to prophesy to you of the goodness and interconnectedness of all things. May each bird, each song, each colour impart in you an understanding of the world far beyond that that you once knew. May you continue to grow in your ability to see heaven here on earth. When birds and trees, oceans and mountain ranges instill in you a sense of wonder and awe over and over again. And in those moments, 
May you know more of the divine and of the divine in you. May you continue to know the glory within that surpasses your brokenness. That your brokenness would be revealed to you so that healing may come. But that who you are in spite of your brokenness would dominate the narrative you live by. May you continue to walk lightly in the world of Māori. Demonstrating a relational engagement that other Pākehā might follow. Where there is giving, not taking. Empowering and not marginalising. Listening and not dominating the sound waves but hearing far beyond the words to the heart of a people. And may you be enriched as you acknowledge your privilege, yet choose to step out of the way to allow others to flourish. May you continue to know deep in your mind and your heart that you are more than your actions, more than your status in society. You are good, you are enough. And lastly, may you know you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. Thanks to Strawn for the music and Rangi for the karakia. Join me next time when Tash McGill takes over the podcast and puts me in the hot seat. Tash is a broadcaster, creative, storyteller, writer and strategist. Uh, she's chairperson of the New Zealand Whiskey Association and an international spirits judge. She works in business transformation, especially within the food and beverage and hospitality industries. And she hosts a podcast called The Transformationist, which I totally recommend checking out. We talk about creating yourself rather than finding yourself, about changing our minds on theology and life, baggy jeans and oversized football jerseys, being a white male in a world of white male privilege, and we explore how my new book came to be and why it was written. It's getting released on my birthday, so this is my birthday present to you. I hope you'll join me. Until then, me inoi tato. E tō mātou matua i te rangi Kia tapu tō ingoa Kia tau mai tō rangatira tanga Kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua Kia rite anō ki tō te rangi Humai kia mātou ai nei E taroma mātou mō tēnei rā Muro mātou hara Me mātou hoki e muru nei I o te hunga E hara ana kia mātou Aua hoki mātou e kawea Kia whakawaia E ngari whakorangia mātou 